This morning we uh, continue with our preaching and I want to challenge you this morning in continuing with this. But before we continue, why don't we stand up and read the word of God together. Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 22. Immediately... Immediately. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you came to us. Thank you that you modeled love to us. We only know what love is because you first loved us. And you are a God of grace and mercy. And we trust that you will speak to all of us this morning as we preach your word without apology, but as empowered by your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you will speak to each and every one of us this morning as we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, based on what we read, I have entitled our message, can you read it with me? Take the plunge. Take the plunge. And this morning, before I even proceed with the message, somebody is going to take the plunge. We have Sar Kairos Arellano, who will come and be baptized this morning. Francis, can you accompany your son? And we will baptize him. I interviewed the uh, Tsar yesterday. It is a matter of practice of CCF that before we conduct a water baptism, that we conduct two classes so that the people understand exactly what is going on. That baptism does not add or take away anything to the salvation that you already have in Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ, you are saved. The Bible tells us that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit as the deposit, guaranteeing the redemption of those who belong to God. But, Sar decided to be baptized as God spoke to him last Sunday. When he was looking at that cross. 
and the rest of you were making your commitments. Not only did he decide to place his commitment on that cross, but he also made a decision to make his commitment public. Let's give God the glory this morning. So when I interviewed him, it was very clear to him that baptism is an act of obedience. Baptism is an act of identification. And I challenged him. I said, Sir, do you understand that once you declare publicly that you are a child of God and that you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, that you are basically putting a target on your chest? Life is not going to be easier. Life is actually going to get more difficult because now the devil is going to target you even more. And he said, yes, pastor, I understand. So, sir, Kairos Arellano. Yeah, I know you're here. You don't have to say hi. <laughs> Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Do you commit before God and these witnesses that you will follow the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of your life no matter what? Yes, sir. Do you commit that you will share the gospel of Jesus Christ through your life and through word as you live out the rest of your life in accordance with God's will? Yes. Wait, Sir Kairos Arellano, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Rise to new life. All right. All right, my man. Isn't that great that a young man would be convicted by the Lord? Nobody told him. Nobody told him, hey. Have yourself baptized already. You know, baptism is an outward. It is an outward display or public commitment of something that is inside. Religious rituals, many times, they just happen externally. Nothing internally. But what should really happen is out of the overflow of your heart, then you do it. I asked him yesterday, so what does baptism mean to you? Well, it's a command. Isn't that what Matthew 28 says? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What? What's next? See? So we do this. We don't do it as a ceremony. We don't do it as a ritual. We do this because people come to us and say, I want to be baptized. I'm letting you know now. Next month, we have another one because one of our members here, when she found out, I want to be baptized too. I said, today we have, oh, but next week because whatever. So next week. All right? If God is speaking to you and you have not yet been baptized, you have never made a public commitment of your faith in Jesus Christ, come see me, come see Pastor Reggie, one of your, any one of your council of servants, and we will discuss with you how we can have you 
go through the waters of baptism. Okay? So, let's continue. Matthew 14. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side where he sent the crowds away. What did you do during family camp? What was your challenge? To make a boat. Right? Was Jesus in your boat? You sure? Was he really there? Is he just a passenger? Or is he the captain of your ship? Is he the wind on the sails? Is he the rudder that directs the movement of the boat? Or is he just a passenger? Ah, you're here pala. Jesus has not only to be in the boat, he has to be the captain of the boat. Now in Matthew 14, it reads, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side, while he sent the crowds away. Matthew 14 verse 22 is after the miracle of the feeding of 5,000. Jesus was already in his public ministry and a lot of people were following him and gathering, wanting to hear what he had to say. And there was a large crowd and the disciples were telling them, Master, what are we going to do? All of these people are following. What are we going to do? They need to eat. Jesus said, you feed them. They didn't have any food. There was this young boy who had two fish, five loaves of bread. And Jesus Christ performed that miracle when he lifted the fish and the loaves of bread. And the multitudes were fed. Not only were they fed, they were 12 bushels full of excess. Mind you, that miracle is not, well, we know it as the feeding of 5,000. Yes? But the Bible tells us that the, the, the number 5,000 only referred to 5,000 men. That is how they did things before. They would count the men. Now, assuming that half were married. So that's an additional 2,500. Yes? Assuming on average of those who were married, so 2,500 couples. Assuming that each of them had three children. So that's an additional 7,500 people. So 5,000 men... 2,500 of which are married, you have 7,500 adults. Of the 2,500 who are married, three per family. So that's additional 7,500. So how many were fed? 15,000. Imagine, from two fish and five loaves of bread. So the crowds were gathering. They kept on following Jesus wherever he would go. Some of them, I'm sure, 
just follow Jesus because they wanted the benefits. Food is free. Fish and bread, but it's free. We don't know why they were following Jesus. I'm sure there were people who were really faithful to follow Jesus. But there were also people who just wanted to be with the crowd, to see what I could get. Now in verse 22, Jesus immediately made his disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side. While what did he do? He sent the crowds away. So he told his disciples, you get into the boat, you take the boat, go to the other side. And then the other, the other, the crowd, okay, you may now go home. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. What can we learn about Jesus? He prays. He is God. He is God's son. But he prays. He communicates with his father. Sometimes we pray in the crowd. We just prayed a while ago, right? But there is some benefit, I'm sure, to praying by yourself. Jesus sent away the crowd and then he went up to a mountain by himself to pray. Have you ever experienced that? Just being alone with God. Even physically, you know, you may want to take your personal retreat. Go back to Camp Teresita Pines. You know, rent a cabin and just Commune with God and His creation. There is benefit to that, my friends. And pray about it. Think about it. You might do your own, even as a family. Just go there and do nothing but pray. Jesus did it. So as His followers, I think it is good for us also to do that. Verse 24 but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now what happened to the disciples in the boat? Huh? Did they not obey Jesus Christ? Get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'll meet you there, right? So who told them to get in the boat? What happened to the boat? There was a storm. Oh God, why did you tell me to go inside the boat and then you will allow a storm? I guess there's a lesson there to be learned, huh? That sometimes God puts us in certain situations. Sometimes these situations are nice. Sometimes these situations are adverse. Now, what happened to the boat? They obeyed Jesus Christ. They were on their way to the other side. The boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves. For the wind was contrary. Now, those of you who like to fish, you ride on a boat. Some of you have relatives who are in the merchant marine. My brother-in-law says that in the Indian Ocean, sometimes they have to conquer like 35 to 40 feet 
of waves. More so, to complicate things, the wind was contrary. Which means what? If you're paddling, the waters is already rough and the wind is against you. Wouldn't you be straining at the oars? Would you? Sometimes God allows storms in our lives. Yes? Even when we obey. Yes? But what happens? The wind and the waves is against us. And sometimes we tell ourselves, God, why did you put me in this situation? I have no unconfessed sin that I know. So why are you allowing me to go through this storm? Would you like to know why? We'll see. Now, where did this storm come from? They were not in the ocean. They were in the Sea of, Gen sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Gennesaret. Now, why would all of a sudden there be a storm? Now, here's some trivia. The Sea of Galilee is almost 700 feet below sea level. There are mountains on every side. So the moment a wind, a strong wind comes through those mountains, all of a sudden, that peaceful water will begin to have waves. And there, all of a sudden, there's a squall. And then the waves are strong. The winds are strong. But sometimes, just as quickly as the storm would come, it could also go as quickly. The Sea of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee is the only fresh water lake below sea level. The second deepest below sea level is what? The Dead Sea. It is lower than the Sea of Galilee. But nothing lives there because of its salinity. It is the saltiest place on earth. So the disciples obeyed. They were following Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ allows a storm to come. So what's going on? In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, the fourth watch is anywhere between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. On the fourth watch, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, did God, did Jesus Christ allow the storm to continue? It's now the fourth watch. How long did Jesus allowed the storm. We don't know. The Bible is silent. So sometimes the storms that come into our life, they're quickly removed, quickly resolved. But there are storms that take a long time. And when you're in the midst of that storm, your safety, your security is in the boat. Right? So Jesus allowed them to go through that. But then at the fourth watch, what did he do? He came to them. How? Oh. Who can do this? 
can you walk on water? Sir, he can sit on the water because there you have a chair. You cannot see it from here. But it's, there's a, you know, it's designed that you can sit. Jesus came to them at the fourth watch walking on top of the water. Imagine yourself, you are one of the disciples. You're straining, you're battling, you're, you're, you're clinging on to some part of the boat because of the waves and the wind. And you don't know if the boat is going to give or whatever it is. And then you see this figure walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, what? It's a ghost. Did they recognize that it was Jesus Christ? No. As a matter of fact, they said, oh, there's a ghost. Who is this? There's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Pastor Peter was here. Buga. Ghost buga. But immediately, see, they were so terrified. They were so terrified, they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Friends, in the midst of the storm, they saw a figure. They did not recognize the figure. They cried out in fear. And how did Jesus introduce himself? It is I. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Friends, if Jesus is in your boat, you have the Son of God. You have God himself with you. And he said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So should you really be afraid? No. But many times, fear overtakes us. And we forget that Jesus is with us and in us, even in the storm. He said, take courage. Be strong. It is I. Do not be afraid. In verse 28, Peter, the same Peter who would eventually deny him three times, the same Peter who has this disease called foot-in-mouth disease. He always puts his feet in his mouth. He says stuff that you wouldn't think of. That's why when he said, no, you will not die. What did Jesus Christ tell him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because it was the plan of God the Father to have Jesus go to the cross. But you know, in his fervor, he said, no, you will not die. What did he get? He got rebuked. Get thee behind me, Satan. This same Peter, okay, Lord, now notice, the other disciples were there. Only Peter recognized Jesus and said, Lord, if it is you, 
command me to come to you on the water. Oh. At least this Peter had the guts to say, Lord, if that is you, let me walk on water just as you are walking on water. Pastor Danny or Kiko from Manila came to know the Lord with that same question. God, if you are real, I want to know you. He was here. He shared to you his testimony that he was going to kill his wife and his children so that he could be freed to marry his girlfriend. The gun did not go off. Not only once, but it did not go off twice. Lord, if you are real, introduce yourself to me. I want to know you. Lord, if it is you, command me to go and walk on the water. My friends, impossible things can only be achieved if God is with you. Because with men, things are impossible. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen? If you want to experience God, you have to ask, God, I want to experience you. Lord, if it is you, command me to go on the water. Have you asked God to do that? God, I want to experience the impossible things. Will you show me how? Peter wanted to experience it. And he verbalized his desire. Lord, if that is you, command me to go. And I want to walk on water. I want to what? I want to take the plunge. And he said, come. Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. Did he experience the miracle? Why? Because he asked, Lord, I want a miracle. I want to experience you in a deeper level. Lord, if that is you, command me. And what did Jesus say? Come. And of all the disciples, it was only Peter who experienced being able to walk on water. My friends, if you want to experience God in a deeper way, you have to take the plunge. You have to get out of the security of your boat. That boat may represent your comfort zone. And perhaps you're saying, why am I not growing in my spiritual life? Maybe that boat has become your comfort zone. And you don't like to dis disciple your family you don't like to disciple your wife. You don't like to be discipled because I'm okay. I'm already okay. So I really don't need that. My friends, you're not going to deepen your walk with the Lord because you're just what? Okay. Peter was okay. But he said, Lord, if that is you, command me to go on the water. And the Lord said, come. And only Peter experienced this. The other disciples did not. 
But, <laughs> there's a but. Read it with me, verse 30. But, seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. When he was focused on Jesus, he was able to walk on water. He did not see the wind. He did not pay attention to the waves. He just was walking towards Jesus. But what happened? The moment he removed his eyes from Jesus, the waves, the wind, the storm. And then what happened? He began to sink. Why? Because physical laws that govern the physical universe are back into play. Now, unless the water is only like this, you can walk on water, right? But you can. He was okay. He was perfectly fine walking on water, experiencing the miracle that God had provided for him. But the moment he removed his focus from Jesus, he began to sink. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we have Jesus with us in the midst of the storm. And instead of looking at Jesus with us in the storm, what do we do? We look at the storm. And once we look at the storm, we're back, sometimes even worse than where we, when we started. Because we forget that Jesus is with us. And we're looking at the storm, just like Peter. And he begins to sink. But then, what does he do? Recovery. Golpers, huh? Recovery shot. Lord, save me. Is that a good prayer to pray? Lord, save me. What did Jesus Christ do? I already told you. Eh? <laughs> Is that what Jesus Christ did? No. He said, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? My friends, doubt cancels faith. And faith cancels doubt. He was already walking on water. But he removed his eyes from Jesus. And fear crept back in. And together with it, doubt. And he began to sink. But Jesus, quick. To save him. See, he, he, he called, save me. And immediately Jesus picked him up. And he said, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Is faith important? Hebrews 11.6 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is important. 
When they got into the boat, what happened? The wind stopped. The storm is gone. Now, why did the, why did the wind stop? Why did the storm disappear? Jesus didn't do anything. Jesus did not say anything. All that Jesus did was get on the boat. And once Jesus was in the boat, storm is gone. My friends, if you're going through something and you're doubting, get Jesus back on the throne. Let him lead. You just follow. When Jesus came into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, how did the rest of the disciples, the other disciples who did not venture out to experience the miracle that Jesus, that Peter experienced, what happened to them? And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. They didn't recognize him as God's son at the feeding of the approximately 15,000 people. Right? But in the midst of the storm, the moment that Jesus entered the boat, the wind stopped. Certainly, you are God's son. Now what happened? Why did Jesus allow them to get in the boat? Why did Jesus allow them to experience the storm? Why did Jesus only allow Peter to go out? Why was it only Peter? Why was it only now that they experienced and realized that Jesus is the Son of God? You know why? Because like you and I many times, hard-headed, sometimes, Hard-hearted. So we cannot experience God. Tigas ulo, tigas puso. Right? How do I know this? Look at the parallel passage in Mark. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left to the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone in the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea and he intended to pass by them. But when, he saw, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them saying and said to them, Take courage, it is I. Then he got into the boat and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished. For they had not gained insight from the incident of the lobes, but their heart was hardened. They had already spent time with Jesus. They had already witnessed the miracles that Jesus Christ performed. Yet, their heart was hardened. So God, Jesus Christ, is giving them a lesson by sending them into the boat, getting the storm to come and rattle them. In Matthew, 
they got the message. When Jesus came into the boat, they worshipped him and they said, certainly you are God's son. Did they get the lesson this time? Yes. But God had to use the boat. God had to use the storm for them to see that Jesus Christ indeed is God's son. His one and only son in whom God the Father is well pleased. His one and only son that he purposed since time began to go to the cross. So that you and I could have safe passage into heaven. If you are in Christ, you are safe for eternity. Storms may come and go, but if you are with the Lord Jesus Christ, they're just passing you by. Because when the time comes, his promise is that you will be with him in heaven. Why does God allow storms to come into our lives? Why do we need to get out of the boat? Why do we need to take the plunge? Because James chapter 1 tells us, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I've underlined some things for you. Knowing that what? That testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God allows certain things to come into our life for a purpose. It is to sharpen us. It is to deepen our walk with Him. It is to strengthen our resolve to follow the Lord no matter what. And see, God allows the testing of our faith through trials so that we will endure because the Christian life is not a 100-meter dash. It is a marathon. We are in it for the long haul and we need endurance. How many of you uh, suffered a slight heart attack while you were jogging up there in Camp Teresita Pines? <laughs> why? Because the wind is very thin. Right? That's why some of the boxers go up there and train so that they will be able when they come down to normal elevation, their stamina their endurance. God allows us to go through trials not to hurt us but to teach us to test our faith so that we become strong so that we will endure so that we will be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Now, we don't like storms, right? And you like storms? I don't like storms. But knowing that God will allow certain things to happen in my life to improve my walk, to chisel the bad things out of my life, then I would gladly accept it. I, friends, I don't pray to God and God, will you give me a storm? Signal number one lang, ha? I don't. But when the storm comes, I know that God is with me. And because God allowed the storm, I have to trust that God has a good purpose for that storm. Because I know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. 
So God will allow these trials to hone us, to mold us into the kind of disciple that we ought to be. First Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, even now for a little while. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that what? The proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Once you and I pass through the furnace of trials, we come out as pure gold. 99.999. You know, you have that pendant before? It's so pure that you can bend the gold. But before that ore becomes purified, it has to go through fire to remove the impurities. And the result is what? To result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My friends, when we overcome that storm, when we overcome that trial, when we overcome that temptation, God is glorified. But we have to go through it. Though we have not seen him, you love him. Though you had... You do not see him now, but believe in him. You greatly rejoice with inexpressible and full, of, and full of glory, obtaining at the outcome for your faith the salvation of your souls. Faith is so important, my friends. And faith should have an object, and that object should be Jesus Christ. You can do it. You can have your family become your D group. You can be a disciple and be a discipler. Look at the verse. I can do what? All things through him who strengthens me. Take the plunge. Get out of your comfort zone. It may be awkward and difficult at the, at the start. But trust that if you are doing God's will, who is there with you? God. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Oh, yes. Oh, amen. Malakas ang ako, no? Tanda na, pero malakas ang Yes. You can do it. But only through Christ. Philippians 1, verse 6. This is my application for you. Number one, trust in Jesus. You got to trust Jesus. I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it in the day of Christ Jesus. You have to trust him. Because he said in John chapter 14 verse 1, look, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God or believe in God. Believe also in me. If you have the NIV, that will be translated as trust. How do you know that you trust somebody? You let go. Because if you're still clinging, you're not trusting. You have to let go. You know that game? But you have to let go. 
He had to let go. Only Peter experienced the miracle of him being able to walk on water because he got out of the comfort zone. He trusted Jesus. Command me and I will go. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Second, we have to focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you're running, you're running towards the prize. You are focused on the finish line, yes? If you're focused, this is all you see. Because you're so focused on the prize that you don't see the peripherals. Like that old hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he is the author and perfecter of faith. He went to the cross for you. He is the prize. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself. For what purpose? So you will not grow weary and lose heart. When you're in the storm, fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember what he went through for you. So that you will not lose heart. So that you will continue to be encouraged. If Jesus went through this for me. I should press on. Like what Paul said. One thing I do, I press on toward the upward call of heaven in Christ Jesus. I press on. Don't give up. Trust God. Trust in Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Lastly, you pray to Jesus. Peter prayed to Jesus. What did he pray? Save me. Lord, save me. And what did Jesus do? Immediately, he stretched out his hand. Save Muna. After he got saved, oh, you have little faith. Pero save na. Diba? Many times, baliktad tayo eh. Ano? Ba't nandiyan ka? Get up first. No, with God it is different. Lord, save me. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? See? Pray with all prayer and petition. Those two words are different in Greek. You have general prayers. You have specific prayers. You want to test God? Pray something impossible that only God can, can give you. Then you know it's really from God. Amen? Oh, wag lang yung anim na numero. With all prayer and petition. 
Kayo alam, you know. I did not say it's the lotto. Why do you know the six numbers is lotto? Kayo ha? Pray with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the spirit with this view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. Pray. Because when you pray, God moves. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. How do I know? Look at the promise in Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what will happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will what? Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Where is faith? I'm still praying. The Bible is telling me. Paul is telling me with all prayer and petition. With all prayer and supplication. Hindi pasagot. No answer yet. With thanksgiving. Yan ang faith. God, I know you're going to answer. So I'm waiting expectantly. In the meantime, because I know you're in control, you will give me the peace. You will give me the peace that is beyond all understanding, that surpasses all comprehension, and God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. My friend, there are certain things that are beyond our control, but God is in control of everything. Amen? Amen. So you can continue to do what you need to do and let God do His part. Let's just trust Jesus. Let's just focus on Him and keep on praying to Him. My friends, as we close, I want you to know that Jesus is praying for you. I'm challenging you this morning to pray to him, but I also want to encourage you and let you know that Jesus is praying for you. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous and he himself is the propitiation for our sins not only for ours also but for the whole world. Jesus Christ is speaking to God the Father on your behalf. You're looking for padrinos? You know when you have a problem you always, who do I know? Who do I know? You know somebody who will help me with a problem? That's an advocate. Jesus Christ is your advocate. He speaks on your behalf. He is talking to God the Father on your behalf. So while you're praying to Jesus, know that Jesus is also praying for you. He speaks on your behalf. So you have to, my friends, you have to take the plunge. You have to get out of the boat. You have to dive into that water. That deep water. Deepening your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you only look at the cake, you will not really know how it tastes. Because he said, Oh, taste. Oh, taste. And see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If you do not plunge in, you will not experience what Peter experienced. 
If you will not take a step of faith, you will not realize how important it is to disciple your own family and see them come together and you grow as a family. You will not if you're not going to take the plunge. My friends, if you are here this morning and you do not know what I'm talking about, you do not know, you are not sure if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, May I encourage you, Lord, save me. And what will Jesus Christ do? Immediately, he will stretch out your hand and welcome you to be his own. If you are here this morning, you already know, you are sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're struggling. You're struggling with leading your family as a D group, as your own discipleship group. You're struggling whether you want to be even part of a D group. Lord, save me from my complacency. Save me from my mediocrity. Save me. And move me to the next level. I don't want to stay like this. I want to move and move and move. Lord, if you need be, put me in that boat and allow me to go through the storm. If that's what it takes, Lord. Because you are God. And I am not. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example that Jesus Christ has shown to us. That at any time and at any place, he is there willing to save. Some unto salvation. Some to be saved from the error of their ways. Some to be saved from the mistakes they have done. But you are savior nonetheless. God, it is my prayer that we are not only here worshiping you as Savior, but we are here worshiping you as Lord and Master of our lives. God, let your word do what it needs to do in all of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.